Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 99 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AW Dynamite on TBS. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 160 of Recitopia continues. Happy Thursday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was AEW Dynamite going down live from the same Zotto Arena in Laredo, Texas. And this was a solid show, but not as strong as the really good string of Dynamites as of late leading into Revolution. Revolution and the card is starting to take shape after wondering, hmm, besides Brian Danielson versus MJF in an Ironman match for the AEW World Championship, what other matches are on tap for a pay-per-view that is a little under three weeks away? So all in all, I thought they did a good job getting the card together for the show in San Fran in a few weeks' time on pay-per-view. As we kick things off with a lighthearted and somewhat heavy match involving Sanjay Dutt, Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, and Jay Lethal versus a team of the acclaimed Max Cast and Anthony Bowens alongside Billy Gunn and the AEW All-Atlantic Champion Orange Cassidy. And the reason why this match was a little heavy last night was due to the sad passing of Jerry Jarrett a couple of days ago, and that is Jeff's father. And he went through this match in his father's honor, which is very classy of him. And Jerry is a legend was a legend in this business. Very weird for me to say that in the past tense. He was one of the greatest Memphis promoters ever, ran that territory for a very long time and also co-founded Impact Wrestling alongside Jeff Jarrett over 20 years ago. So his impact on this business would truly last forever. And Jeff did what he did. He was a heel last night, put on a show, and I respect him for that. It was not an easy thing to do to go out there and perform one day after his father's passing. So he put in that work as a heel last night. Billy Gunn was the babyface and pearl at one point until he delivers a famous or to Satin Singh, who is not a small man. He's a big ass dude with Billy Gunn, put him down for a bit, but ate a Golden Globe trophy shot courtesy of Jeff Jarrett. Anthony Bowen super kicks Jeff Jarrett and then he gets laid out with the lethal combination by Jay Lethal and then we have Max Caster come through with a shot of his own and he is going to grab San J. Dutt and at this point this match becomes high comedy because Orange Cassidy knocks out Sanjay Dutt with the orange punch and Max Caster has Sanjay in position for the Shiver Me Timbers. We got Orange Cassidy going up top. We got Billy Gunn going up top. We got Anthony Bowens going up top. And every time people try to go on this top rope to deliver this finisher, we got Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, Jay Lethal causing trouble. They all get laid out at ringside. And Sanjay Dutt has to sell this for at least two minutes. He wakes up from the punch. He's shaking. He's trying to fight. He cannot. And eventually, Anthony Bowens comes through with Susan B. Timbers on Sanjay Dutt for the win. A very fun match to kick off last night's Dynamite on TBS. As it will be the Gun Club defending their titles for the first time a revolution against the acclaimed and two other tag teams in a traditional Revolution Battle Royale next Wednesday on Dynamite, followed by the Casino Battle Royale in two weeks' time to determine the third and fourth team being added to this fatal four going down a revolution on Sunday, March 5th from the Chase Center in San Francisco, California. Next up is a Texas Tornado Tag Team match involving John Moxley and Claudio Casanoli, the reigning defending Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion representing the Blackpool Combat Club versus Roosh and Preston Vance. And this match was a lot of fun. And this was by far the most heated match of the night in terms of violence and intensity with Moxley 
doing what he does best. Bleed, he has taken the mantle from Cody Rhodes from a couple of years ago. There are three things guaranteed in life, death, taxes, and Moxley bleeding on a dynamite. And sure enough, that streak continued last night as the action picked up off top with Vance and Roosh going after Claudio and Moxley as we go to a picture-in-picture commercial break. We come back and Mox tries a slingshot Roosh into the barricade. It does not go according to plan as he sends Preston Vance into a pile of chairs in the corner over and over and over again to the crowd's delight. Then he delivers a tope to Roosh on the outside, followed by Preston Vance spearing Claudio out of the ring and on two mocks and Roosh on the outside. At one point, Roosh and Vance are going to double-team Claudio and they're going to use a steel chair to go after the left shoulder of Casanoli and they're going to flip the timekeeper's table over Claudio. He's trapped as we go to another break and the heels are beating down Moxley and sure enough, Moxley comes up bleeding when Vance introduces a chain and they beat up on Moxley over and over and over again until Claudio makes a save and the hot tag and then he uses the chain and wraps it around his hand to knock the shit out of Preston Vance beat his ass repeatedly makes him bleed heavily at one point as he delivers 12 swing revolutions to the crowd's delight as well as it goes for a pinfall that is broken up by Roosh from there Mox lands a cutter on Preston Vance and from there this match really picks up steam with both teams firing shots at each other followed by Willie Yuta coming out to stop some interference courtesy of Jose the assistant who smashed Claudio in the back with a steel chair. Eventually, really, you to shoes Jose away, and Claudio is going to counter the bull's horn by Roosh into a spear in midair for a very close near fall broken up by Vance. And then we have Claudio deliver a European uppercut through the ropes to Roosh on the outside, and Preston Vance is trying to choke out John Moxley with the chain. Moxley recovers. He is going to wrap the chain around Preston Vance's neck, deliver those anvil and elbow shots, and chokes him out for the victory. This was by far the best thing from last night's show from a pure in-ring standpoint. Really enjoyed the matchup. It was bloody, bruising, violent, and gnarly. I love it. But I do get desensitized to the blood sometimes because we see it every week on Dynamite, especially from John Moxley. And that needs to be curtailed a bit because you want blood to matter in key moments. If it happens every week, it loses its luster after a while. And I never want that to be the case because blood does elevate matches when need be when it's time to tell that story down the stretch. Next up is an excellent sit-down interview involving Jim Ross and Moore Lowe as he dives into some personal details of his life that Samoa Joe is privy to during their tag team partnership late last year. And Wardlow goes into talking about his father and how much his dad meant to him growing up. It made him strong. It made him who he is today. And then there was a fracture in that relationship for a few years. And eventually when Wardlow was an adult, his father became more present in his life. They rebuilt their relationship. But then his father got diagnosed with stage four cancer. It was incurable and he was dying at that time Wardlow was becoming a professional wrestler and his dad was able to see his first indie match and then he passed away a short time later and Wardlow grew his hair out in honor of his father to be connected to him in some way and Samoa Joe knew this story and he decided to cut his hair as a way to spit on that connection that Wardlow had with his father via the beard and the hair and Wardlow gets very serious and tells Samoa Joe to listen that you survived every company and every monster, but you will not survive Wardlow when I'm done with you. And I thought that was a great promo by Wardlow. It humanized him because I call him Wardlow the God in a lot of ways. He's very talented, charismatic, sexy as hell, but we needed to humanize Wardlow. And that was a way to center him as a guy that grew his hair out for a reason. That ponytail symbolized the love he had for his father. And Samoa Joe really took a piss to that. And he's got to pay at Revolution for the TNT Championship. And I would love Love to see Wardlow win that belt back and reignite his push when he was so over this time last year. 
Think about it. This time last year, Wardlow made the biggest business decision of his career by severing ties with MJF and storyline and becoming his own man. And he eventually fought for his freedom at double or nothing. And he was so over. And then he got cooled off via some so-so feuds over the TNT Championship. And Wardlow has what it takes to be a big-time star. He is a proven ratings draw, sex symbol on top of that, and he knows how to draw in that female viewership. So I want Wardlow to really be a star once again, post-revolution, preferably as TNT champion to get him back on track. Because Wardlow still has what it takes to be a main event player in AEW when given the chance to do so. And there is money in Wardlow versus MJF for the AEW World Championship at some point very very soon as well hopefully that is something that Tony Khan keeps in the member bank with a good push for Wardlow at the exact same time next up is one half of the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions Mark Briscoe versus Josh Woods and this match was a lot of fun as Mark Briscoe came in hot and that irritated Mark Sterling who distracts the referee long enough for Ari Davari and Tony needs to go after Mark Briscoe the Lucha Brothers Pinto Zero M and Ray Phoenix come out to even the odds as they fight Tony Nese and Ari Davari up the ramp. From there, we have Mark Briscoe and Josh was fighting on the ring apron with Woods delivering a corkscrew suplex on the floor to Briscoe as we go to commercial break via picture in picture. We come back and we have Briscoe land a thrust chop and charging boot that sends Woods on the outside once again. Briscoe uses a chair to catapult himself over the top rope into the floor and then back inside the ring, Briscoe lands a razor's edge for two, goes for the J Driller, but Woods hits a pure chaos suplex for two. Both men trade counters and Briscoe lands a rolling Death Valley driver followed by the Froggy Bro for the win off the top rope to Woods. Really fun match. Briscoe shouts out the late great Jay Briscoe once again to say he's fighting for both of them and he is always in his heart. And in the best news of the night, Mark Briscoe is now all elite. He's officially signed to an AEW contract. So happy for Mark because he has been a star alongside his brother for over 20 years on Ring of Honor, but it was not meaningful national television exposure. For the first time in his career, being on AEW gives Briscoe that chance to have meaningful national television exposure. I'm so happy for him. I'm sure Jay is smiling in heaven at his brother finally getting that shine, and rightfully so, as they will continue to be one of the greatest tag teams who ever did it and I just love the symbolism that Mark is still one half of the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles alongside Jay. May he rest in peace. And now it is time for the contractually obligated segment involving the AEW World Champion MJF. And I thought he was great last night in Laredo, Texas, as his crowd booed him out of the building, told him shut the fuck up at various points, as he goes in on the fans for being fickle and for loving Brian Danielson, because it makes him sick. Because he knows these fans will turn on you on a drop of a dime. That's why he turned on them first before they could turn on him. And the reason why he hates the fans and Danielson is because you think he's a guy that is better than me in every way. He puts on five-star classics. He's a technician. He delivers bangers. But the one thing he doesn't deliver are championships or championship victories. When it counts most in AEW, if you're not in this company to win championships, the big one at that, you shouldn't be here. And because I have the championship around my waist, that makes me the man. That makes me the best in the world and Danielson doesn't have what it takes to beat me in a 60 minute Iron Man match it can't last the four hour against me I approve that at a revolution but I want to bring out someone that knows Danielson like no other 
since the very beginning of his career. I bring to you the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels. The Daniels comes out and MJF paid off Daniels to talk about Brian Danielson in a very disrespectful way. Disparage, slander, and smear the name of the American Dragon. And Daniels says, you know what, if you asked me this a long time ago, I would say, sure, why not? But I don't want your money because Brian Danielson is in fact better than you in every way. Hell, I met the man in this ring 20 years ago and his first punch to me, I thought I was going to die. And I knew from that moment on, he was the real deal. He won the APW King of the Indies in 2001 that led to the birth of Ring of Honor because people wanted a different brand of professional wrestling in a traditional sense. And that basically gave birth to AEW. So if it wasn't for Ring of Honor, there would be no AEW and therefore there would be no UMJF. And don't get it twisted. Just because you are champion does not make you better than Brian Danielson because he's better than you in every way. And you are a fraud who wish you could be half the man Brian Danielson is. And I love that line of Danielson's going to kick MJF's dick in the dirt at Revolution. And Danielson slaps MJF in the face. The fans pop that MJF is going to kick Christopher Daniels low in the balls and lock in the side of the earth Fujiwara Ambar and Danielson comes out to make the save at the last minute as MJF scurries away like a coward to wrap up the segment. I thought this was good stuff. MJF is a great promo. Better material than shock value stuff he did last week. He was basically calling out the fans for being fickle which is a Brian Danielson term he used in WWE roughly four years ago when he was WWE champion because fans are fickle sometimes. There's no denying that but MJF was really fighting the time because he was getting over as a baby face. Fans legit wanted to be Dover worshipers to the devil himself. He admitted that. And I still think there is great value in MGF being a baby face someday, but he's leaning in on a heel run right now. I get it, but there is equity in Maxwell being a baby face someday because he has a range to pull it off. And I hope that AEW leans into that very soon. But overall, this is a really good way to hype up the epic 60-man Iron Man match for the AEW World Championship between Danielson and MJF in a few weeks' time at Revolution in San Francisco. Next up is Jungle Boy versus Brian Cage. This match was solid and Jungle Boy was basically getting the babyface and peril treatment, getting ragdolled by Brian Cage, who suplexed him from outside to inside the ring, delivered a buckle bomb to Jungle Boy and a slam for a very close near fall. At one point, it appeared Jungle Boy was going for a Canadian destroyer on Cage, but Cage lands a power bomb that looked like a modified Alabama slam for two. Eventually, Jungle Boy lands a double foot stomp on Cage and a top rope splash. Cage fires up one. One more time, but Jungle Boy's crucifix bomb, a thrust kick, and a roll-up on Cage for the win. As he signals for championship gold around his waist this year in AEW, but as he motions back up the ramp, we hear... Christian Cage's theme music hit. The countdown is on. He comes out arm sling a sling from that torn triceps injury dating back to last year's All Out. And as Jungle Boy charges after his arch nemesis, Christian Cage pepper sprays him and then he takes off the sling to prove I'm back at 100% and drops Jungle Boy with a kill switch on the main stage to wrap up the segment. And this feud must continue. We were disappointed last year when Christian could not work 100% due to the injury. I'm glad he's back because I know that he and Jungle Boy would deliver at a very high level and cut some bruising promos at the exact same time heading into presumably revolution in a few weeks time on pay-per-view next up is hangman adam page
Page versus Kip Sabian. And Kip Sabian, alongside the Butcher and the Blade, jumped Hangman Page. Before this match took place about an hour earlier, but Page came out there, but he was selling throughout as Kip Sabian jumped on Page early on. But ever the fighting babyface, Page makes a great babyface comeback by sending Sabian into the railing and landing a pop-up power bomb back in the ring for two. Sabian misses a reverse DVD, and that allows Page to counter with the dead eye for the one, two, three. After the match is over, we got John Moxley, Claudio Casanoli, and Willie Uta coming out to confront Hangman Page. And Moxley says, hey, Hangman, you think you and I have unfinished business? We do not. I beat you. You beat me. I beat you last, and I respect you for never giving up, but you will never beat me again. Let it go. Let's be done with this. But Paige does not want to let it go. He says, do you really want to be happy pinning me via roll-up to end this feud once and for all? I think now we need one more match to really test our limit. Go to that dark alley and find a way to see who will be the last man left standing when this is all said and done. Then Mox says, well, you know, I'm tempted that you want to go on this dance with me to this dark alley, this dark side, but you don't have any friends to pull you back from the brink, do you? And then we have the Dark Order come out, and I thought it would be some other friends in the form of the elite. That story is still ongoing as we approach year three. And at one point, I loved the storyline. I thought it was the best thing going in professional wrestling. Then the bloodline of Sami Zayn happened, and they claim that title right now, but I still love the aspect of Paige reuniting with the elite at some point very soon to complete this story three years in the making. But the Dark Order come out to represent Hangman Page. They've had his back the last couple of years. The Evil Uno tells Paige to step aside and say, I'm not afraid of Moxley. I'm ready to fight you. And Mox and Evil Uno get into it a little bit. And that sets up Moxley versus Evil Uno next Wednesday on Dynamite. And Paige is kind of miffed at his friends trying to be there for him in the clutch. We'll see how this goes as the Dark Order is down to a party of three with Eva Uno, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver. I hate to see that because I love the Dark Order, but they are really a shell at this point, and that's a shame because a lot of the OG members are gone. It was a great way to remember and care the legacy of Brody Lee on, but now it's just kind of sad to see everybody leave from Vance to Anna Jay to Stu Grayson. It's just not the same, and it absolutely sucks. Despite my love of the bromance between John Silver and Hangman Page that will never, ever get old. And now it is time for our main event involving Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, Ruby Soho, and Tony Storm. The battle for Ruby Soho's loyalty. Is she loyal to AEW or is she loyal to the outsider, Soraya and Tony Storm? That is the question. And I loved Ruby's attitude last night. All I'm trying to do is win a match. I will roll you up. I will suplex your ass. I will do what I got to do to get this victory by any means necessary. And this does get down to Tony Storm delivering a hip attack to Britt Baker and Ruby Soho taking advantage of the situation. But going after Tony Storm as we go to a picture-in-picture commercial break, we come back and it's basically a one-on-one match between Britt and Tony Storm trading shots back and forth with Ruby trying to insert herself at various points by going after Baker, but getting dropped with the headbutt and uppercut by Tony Storm. Baker sends Soho into the corner and takes out Storm with a sling blade, and Baker lands a neckbreaker DDT combo on both Soho and Tony Storm for a close near fall. From there, we have Soraya trip up Britt Baker at ringside, and Tony Storm lands a German suplex, but Soho is going to land a pump knee strike to Tony instead. Storm calls for another hip attack, but she runs to an STO by Ruby Soho. 
and Baker is unable to land a spinning suplex and Storm breaks it up with a super kick with everybody down in the ring. At this point, we have an interesting spot of Tony Storm locking in the clover leaf on Ruby Soho. Britt says, well, let me lock in this lock jaw on Ruby instead to get my submission victory. And Soraya gets in the ring to super kick Britt to break up the submission attempt. And it was a bad kick at that. And this is legal. It's a triple threat match and anything goes as we have Tony Storm deliver a tornado DDT to Jamie Hayter at ringside. And eventually we have Tony Storm and Soraya work together with Soraya spraying an L on the butt of Tony Storm to smash it to Britt Baker with a hip attack, which lands perfectly. But in doing so, Ruby Soho is going to send Tony Storm to Soraya at ringside and she's going to roll up Britt for the win, still the victory. And she's game for a championship match against Jamie Hayter, but she's not here for these wars of who wants me on their team. Britt Baker for the OGs or Soraya and Tony Storm for the outsiders and Ruby is conflicted. So that would be the decision time for Ruby between now and Revolution. Who is she going to side with? A.W. who's like family to her or her old family from back in the day. We shall see. This was an all right main event. It wasn't crisp throughout, but still it told a good story of where Ruby's allegiance is lying right now. It's about me, myself and I. That's all I got in the end. That's what I found out. Am I quoting Beyonce? Yes, because for Ruby Soho, the situation fits as we wrap up a Solid episode of Dynamite. It was not out of this world amazing. There's been a stretch of TV the last month and a half that has been really good for AEW. This was an all right show. Nothing to write home about as we continue that road to revolution in a few weeks time in San Fran at the Chase Center where the Warriors play. And I am looking forward to some promo work from Danielson, MGF, Fine Hard Cell for their championship match. 60-minute Iron Man match is going to go crazy. Also, official for Revolution is Hangman Page versus John Moxley in a Texas death match. I did not mention that earlier, but that was a step John Moxley wanted for their final chapter to go down at Revolution. Wardlow will face Samoa Joe for the TNT Championship and also on deck will be a fatal four-way for the AEW World Tag Team titles. We have the Acclaimed versus the Guns, the new AEW World Tag Team titles and two more teams to be determined via a traditional Revolution Battle Royale this Wednesday on Dynamite coming up and the Casino Battle Royale in two weeks to really bring this card together perfectly. So here's hoping the last couple of weeks of TV really drives home the point of what Revolution is all about. Heading into AEW's first major pay-per-view of 2023. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 99 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at Wrestletopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows. The drop of the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage going down at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern on TBS this Friday due to the NBA all-star weekend on tnt plus the spina sessions dropping every monday morning for your listening pleasure for all of my spina lovers out there you know what to do so the rest of topia and follow me on apple podcast amazon music audible google podcast buzzsprout iHeartRadio, radio radio tune in plus amazon alexa and spotify i'll be back saturday morning with episode number 65 of the smackdown wind down slash aw rampage late night rager until then enjoy your thursday and your friday stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.